As we begin our series last week on neighbortude, I invite you to take your Bibles out and we're going to look again at Luke 10 this morning. Neighbortude, if you missed it last week, is a word that we made up, but it simply is a word that is to communicate that we want to be people who have the attitude of Christ toward our literal neighbors, so neighbortude. And we'll be looking at Luke 10 this morning, but before we look at that text, I want to invite you to give your attention to the side screens to set us up for our message this morning. It's a beautiful day for a neighbor, dude. A beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you make time? Could you make time? It's a neighborly kind of attitude, a neighborly kind of tude. Would you make time? Could you make time? He's commanded you to love others like you love you. That's what it means to live with a neighbor tude. Do you? So let's take this word in a literal way. Love our neighbors like Christ every day. Would you make time? Could you make time? Won't you have a neighbor too? Won't you please? Won't you please? Please won't you have a neighbor too? Hello, neighbor. All right. So that sets it up pretty well. Hope you captured the, the words there. And uh, I don't know if you noticed, but there's a little bit underlying gator shout out in uh, that neighborhood. Did you notice that, Seminoles? Yeah. So he, here's what I thought would be fun. What if you said, hey, I'd like to make a music video as well? We've got the words to neighbortude, and some of you might go, oh, I'll do that, or I'll take my family, or we'll do that as a couple. You could make one, and uh, you could be the intro to next week's sermon. Wouldn't that be fun? Uh, we'll see. We'll see how good it is. Uh, that, that would be fun, so we would invite you. Uh, you can watch social media. Uh, TJ will send out, send out the words that we wrote to go with the series, and you can do it whatever style. Somebody from First Hour said, oh, maybe I better not tell their secret, but they already have their idea of how they're going to do it. So have some fun with that as we have some fun with this idea of neighbortude, because though we have fun with it, I hope you, if you weren't here last week, quick review, if you were here, I hope you've captured that neighbors are at the heart of Scripture. When a man asked Jesus, what's this all about? What's the Scripture all about? How would you boil it down? Jesus said, Matthew 22, that you'll... You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbors as yourself. You see, neighbors are at the very heart of what the scripture talks about. Loving God and loving our neighbors. And so there's some 
core convictions that we want to bring towards our literal neighbors, those who literally live beside us or near us. And those core convictions regarding God and our neighbor, literal neighbor, is that first of all, that they profoundly matter to God. That's what the scripture's all about. That how we would treat them as a reflection of our relationship with God. Because when he says, excuse me, the second is like it, he's indicating that loving God includes loving my neighbor. See, so challenging to recognize that unless I love my neighbor, I can't really say that I love God because the second commandment, love my neighbor, is like loving God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. So they profoundly matter to God because it's part of loving him. And then the third observation that we made last week is this whole idea of the relationship between the Great commandment, loving my neighbor as the core to fulfilling the great commission. That was a new thought for me in this series. It was the, the idea that, well, you know what the great commission is? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. That's the Great Commission. Well, how do we do that? Simply this, by saying, Lord, wherever you send me, whether it's off of Losco Road or Greenland Road or to Taiwan, wherever you send me, when I get there, what will I do? Love my neighbor. And by loving my neighbor, wherever God sends me, the Great Commission is being accomplished in this city, in this country, to the ends of the earth. Wherever we go, loving our neighbor. So the Great Commandment and the Great Commission aren't separate ideas. They are hand in hand. And could it be that the Great Commission is being slowed by our not following the great commandment, loving God and loving our neighbor. So that's the core convictions that we live by in terms of God and our neighbors. Because of those core convictions, we said, then the practice that we will engage in is learning names. I wonder if you had any unique opportunities this week or you took some opportunities to say, I'm going to learn some names of my neighbors. And maybe you found yourself in an awkward place or a hard place, but I hope you took a step. Maybe you signed up to that prayforeveryhome.com and said, I'm going to learn them that way. Maybe you took a walk. Maybe you said, I'm going to sit on the front porch instead of the back porch. Because people walk their dogs and I'd be able to get to meet them. Maybe you just hung out a little bit longer yesterday because people are out on the weekend and said, if I see them, then we can engage in a conversation. So if we're going to love people, 
we start by learning their names. Can I take a risk and ask anybody to learn a name this week in their neighborhood? Anybody? All right, I see a few hands. Don't shrink back. Why? Because they matter to God. Loving God includes loving them. And the great commission is fulfilled through the great commandment. So start, start this week by learning some names. But we don't stop there. This passage in Luke 10 that we looked at last week with the question between a lawyer who asked Jesus, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, you know the law, you tell me how it reads to you. And the man said to Jesus what exactly we just read Jesus said in Matthew 22. Jesus said, you got it right, go do it and you'll live. And then the guy, in response to Jesus' reply to him, asked this question, who is my neighbor? Not because he wanted to go love them. It says in the text, he asked it because he wanted to justify who he didn't love. So when he had said, who's my neighbor, he knew what neighbor means. And what does neighbor mean? Remember, neighbor simply means those who literally live beside me or near me. So let's not move away from that. He was prepared for that. What he wasn't prepared for is the story that Jesus tells in response to his question, who's my neighbor? So in your Bibles there, beginning in verse 30, is the story that Jesus tells to answer this question, who is my neighbor? Jesus replied to the man and said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers and they stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. And by chance, a priest was going down on that road, and when, they, when he saw him, what did he do? He passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite also, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, who was on a journey, came upon him, and when he saw him, different. He felt compassion. So what did he do? He came to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them, and he put him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I return, I'll repay you. End of story. Now, why did Jesus tell that story? To answer the question, who's my neighbor? So he tells the story. Now he turns back to the lawyer who he just told the story to and says, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robber's hands? Well, it's pretty obvious. So the man says, the one who showed mercy toward him. And Jesus said, go and do the same. So Jesus 
expands, right? He expands our understanding of neighbor beyond those who literally live beside you or near you. In this story, he shows that you can be a neighbor to people who live on the other side of town. You could be a neighbor to people who live a long way from you. I got a, an email or a text, one that I can't remember, but a, a, a couple camping. And they recognized because of an opportunity that the Lord gave them, hmm, here's our neighbor for 48 hours. See, Jesus was expanding an understanding of neighbor beyond literal people who live near you, beside you. But this is what we declared last week, and I want to say it to us again this morning. But not to the exclusion of our literal neighbors. Here's why I keep coming back to this. The irony is very obvious to me about why Jesus tells this story. The man knows and is comfortable with loving those who were his literal neighbors. So Jesus tells a story that expands his understanding of neighbor and challenges the man, don't just love the obvious people who live near you and beside you, think bigger than that. We, on the other hand, have often thought bigger than that to the exclusion of literal neighbors. So, what happens? Jesus told the man the story so that his view would be expanded. We've come to the story with an expanded view and the challenge is to come back to, am I driving by my literal neighbors to go love other people when I have ignored my literal neighbors? That's it. You see, we flipped it. So actually... What I find compelling about this story is that it relates to our literal neighbors as much as people who live beyond our literal neighbors. And so this will be our challenge this morning. I want us to go back and look at the text again, not thinking of those we might run into at some point, but thinking about those who already literally live right beside us, right now, right on our street. And what does this text say to us about those folks, okay? You with me? Because are they our neighbor? Yeah. Both of us, whether we are, need to be expanded or we need to be included, this text speaks to both. So let's go back and read now a portion of the story again You think, as I have in my head, my literal neighbors, okay? A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers, and they stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. And by chance, a priest was going down on that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Let's pause there. 
Anything in this verse 31 that strikes you as odd? You may think, oh, that it was a priest. I think Jesus is making a point there. That doesn't strike me as odd. What strikes me as odd is this. And by chance. Doesn't that sound like unusual language for Jesus? Does Jesus believe some people get lucky and some people are unlucky? Do you believe that? Do you believe that things happen by chance? But Jesus says, and by chance this happened. What's that supposed to mean? I think it means this. The man's walking on the road. Is he on a short-term mission trip looking for beat-up people? No, he's simply going from point A to point B. So by chance, meaning not that God from heaven went, wow, look what happened. The man himself goes, oh, I wasn't here for this reason. I didn't come for this, pur- this purpose. This happened by chance from a human perspective, but from a human perspective who has good theology, we recognize that Nothing happens by chance. Do you recognize that? Do you believe that everything that happens in life happens under the providence of God? That he is the sovereign ruler of heaven and of earth? Including where you live? Like the house you bought by chance? Are those people who moved in next door? By chance? No, I'm fooling because do I think they are there by chance? No, I don't. Do you think they're there by chance? Do you think you live there by chance? No. You may discover, wow, there are things and opportunities that I didn't know when I bought this place. But I don't think any of us have any neighbors by chance. Uh, They're not my neighbors by chance. Why not? They're not my neighbors by chance because all of life is under the providence of God. I believe that God has placed me there and I believe that God has placed them there. So I was, a number of years ago, like three or four neighborhoods ago, I was so surprised by my neighbor who said to me in a conversation, I think God placed me in this house beside you for a purpose. I was caught off guard because it was our first conversation. And he wasn't a Christ follower. But he recognized when he said it, I thought, wow, I believe that. I wasn't prepared for you to believe that. But he said, first conversation, well, you know, I think God actually put us in this house to live beside you. Well, you know, you don't amen an unbeliever, but I was amening inside. I can't argue with that. Why? All of life is under the providence of God. God is the master real estate man. See, you think you bought because of location or price, neighborhood, and those were all factors, I'm sure. 
There's a bigger divine factor that always goes on in all of life, including where you live and where I live and whose neighbors we have. It's not by chance. It's under the providence of God. So, not, not by chance. Now, you've probably thought of this, but do you have work neighbors just like you have neighborhood neighbors? Do you have work neighbors like, or school neighbors, like people who work around you or go to a school right around you by chance? Yes and no. I, I do, but I, not by chance. In fact, What's interesting is we, I challenge you to make a neighborhood map. You probably wouldn't have to make a work map because you already know their names. You work with them. You know the names of the people you work with consistently, but not necessarily the names of the people you live around every single day. But your workplace is no, no less a place where you have literal neighbors than your home. Do we have church neighbors? Yeah, we have some church neighbors here. We have some apartment neighbors. We have some Walnut Bend neighbors. Uh, Arrowhead? Arrowwood? Arrowhead? Wood, thank you. I lost my brain there for a moment. We have church neighbors, right? That God has literally placed us here and them here? In proximity? And we've learned, quite frankly, a ton about our neighbors in the last few weeks. We did so because we, we started a program called TESOL, Teaching English to Speakers of Other Languages. We know that we continue to be more and more an international community, so this seemed like a need that we could meet, thinking we might have 40 or 50 at most of folks who would want to participate. 138 showed up immediately from 24 countries, less than five miles from where you're sitting. That's amazing. Over half of them, two and a half miles from where we're sitting, 24 different countries, 138 participants. That's our worship where we worship neighbor. And so uh, we have neighbortude in terms of where we worship as well. So thinking that we were going to get 40, maybe 50, and end up with 138, uh, this, is, this has been a, wow, didn't know this was going to happen, Lord, but this is something the Lord has opened up for. So that may be news to some of you, and you think, wow, that's exciting. I'd like to get involved. If so, then you can email Wendy Graves, our director of global outreach. See, global outreach within two and a half miles of where you're seated. You can let her know you'd like to get involved in some way or find out how you can help with our neighborhood. Back in December... We shared with you how the elders had a sense of us having responsibility of how God placed us in this community in terms of beginning a Thursday night service here at CFC. We weren't bored looking for another service to do. 
We were looking at the demographics of our neighborhood, where God has placed us in this community, and recognized there was a whole group of folks that we aren't necessarily connecting to, a a significant portion that we are connecting to, but some that we're not. And so we said, let's start a Thursday night service, beginning the Thursday after Easter, we're going to do a Thursday night service, and check this out, it starts at 7.30 in the evening. You go, hey, but my kids are in bed. That's right. Because it's really not for young families. Young families we already connect to in a very healthy way in this community. But when do people go to movies who don't have kids during the week? All you have to do is check showtimes. Between 7.15 and 7.30 is the primary showtime for a weeknight movie. So we said... There's plenty of opportunity to reach those who are in our community who would not come on a normal Sunday time. So we're going to meet in the shop, not in, a, in one of the north or south auditorium, but the shop is the senior high room uh, south of us here that we are remodeling. And it's intended to reach those who can't do or don't want a traditional Sunday time. So we're not saying, hey, if you don't like Sundays, come on Thursdays. We are seeking to reach our neighborhood according to the conviction God has placed us here. And God has placed them here. And this would be a new opportunity to reach them. So here is, as you prayerfully consider this Thursday night service, here's something we're looking for. We're looking for 50 members who would say, I'll make that my primary worship service. Again, not those of you who have young kids, because that's not time-friendly for you. But either you don't have kids yet, or your kids are grown, and so this is a good time for you, and you'd say, I'd love to be part of reaching a new section of our community. 50 of you who would say, I'll make this uh, my weekly worship service. Not just go when it's convenient, but we'll be there as a starting core. We also need, beyond those 50, those who will volunteer to serve, those who will usher, those who will welcome, those who will help with parking. So there'll be opportunities for service. And so if you would say, I'd not only like to attend, I'd like to help then either one of those, if you'll simply contact us at Thursday at cfcjacks.com and we'll follow up with you. Just send us an email and say, I'm interested in attending. I'm interested in volunteering. So we can build a community. Now, understand, it's rooted in a conviction that our, our neighbors matter to God. That loving them is part of loving God. And so we want to do what we can to reach them. And we want to invite you to engage in that process, whether it would be through TESOL, whether it be through a Thursday night service. But we are wanting to simply do in this neighborhood what I am encouraging all of us to do in our literal residence neighborhoods, okay?
Second observation from the text is that all of my neighbors have a unique story. All my neighbors have a unique story, including the individual that Jesus told the story about. See, don't think out there, think literal neighbor. When Jesus told the story, he said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers and they stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. Does he have a story? (laughs) Yeah. Does your neighbor have a story? Sure they do. The question is, do you know it? Do you know where they've come from? That man was coming from Jerusalem. Do you know where your neighbors are from? Not just even locationally, but do you know any of their backstory? Do you know where they're going? The guy was headed to Jerusalem. Any idea what your neighbors really want to do in the future? Where they've come from in the past? Where they want to go? Uh, Who has it impacted them? (laughs) Did this man have people who impacted him? Uh, Yeah, I I mean, I tried to choose that word carefully. They literally impacted them. Do your neighbors have people who have impacted them? Sure. Some have hurt them, some have helped them, and some have ignored them. Because that's true for everybody. And you may go, "This, this is weird. No. Do you have a story? you've come from someplace, you're hoping to go somewhere, you've had people who have impacted you, some people have hurt you, some people have helped you, and some people have ignored you. You have a story. Do your neighbors have a story? Yeah. Do you know it? Yeah. I hope you'll go, wow, I not only want to learn their names, I want to begin to know their story because they are not my neighbors by By chance. God has sovereignly placed me there. God has sovereignly placed them there. I think something's up here. See, they have a physical story, an emotional story, a relational story, a spiritual story, and a financial story. Now, I didn't just pick those categories. Here's what's really cool. All of that, if you read the text, you'll go, that's all right there in Luke 10. It's all right there. We just have always... I'll throw myself up. I've always thought of it about there as that figurative neighbor because of the way Jesus answered the question. But that is equally true for my literal across the street neighbor. Two houses down, three houses down, a house this way. They have a physical story, emotional story, relational story, spiritual story, financial story. And, and it's so awesome to think about that because I believe this, that God is choosing to merge our stories. Because I don't live there by chance and they don't live there by chance. God is merging our stories. For his purpose. So, 
because I believe that, and again, I didn't make that up. Is that not in the text? God merges their stories. So here's our second neighborhood sign. You get it, don't you? My story and my neighbor's story. Merging. But I'll never know unless I get to know them. So last week, I told you about my neighbor, Fred, the ideal neighbor, right? Did I name him last week, Fred? So Fred emailed me this week, Doug, I listened to your sermon online. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? I was like, wow, sweet. Um, I told you he is about, he'll be almost 80 in May. He's like a couple days younger than my dad. So we were talking three weeks ago, two, three weeks ago out in the yard, and I thought, man, I believe God's placed me here. I believe God's placed Fred here. He's merging our stories, but I have no idea what connections we have, what merges we have. So because he retired full colonel in the army, I thought, do I know anybody that used to be in the army? And I, used to, and I thought, well, I, I worked at OCF, Office of Christian Fellowship, a little camp up in Pennsylvania back in like 1988. So a long, 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 long time ago. That was before that. It was 1985. It was before I got married. So I worked at this camp. And there was a guy who helped run it named General Clay Buckingham. So I knew a guy in the army. So I said to Fred, any chance, I know this is really crazy, but any chance you know General Clay Buckingham? And he goes, oh, yes. (laughs) Really? He said, yeah, when I was a cadet at West Point, he's going to be 80, long time ago when I was a cadet at West Point, General Buckingham was one of the guys who kept us in line. He wasn't a general then, obviously. So we had a little merger moment with General Buckingham. I'm not saying that's, wow, that's profound. I'm simply saying we just often miss the stories. Ever go to a funeral? And hear somebody talked about, and you go, wow. What do you think then? I wish, I wish I'd have known them better. Which is a safe thought to think, since they're dead. <laughs> well, that, what if you went to your neighbor's funeral? And you went, oh, I had no idea. Oh, I had no idea. I, I wish I hadn't known that. I, I think one of the greatest joys of a walk with Christ is this. Is that God is merging 
my story with my neighbor's story, but I don't really know how often or for what purpose. But I believe it. So I step in. Not because I know where it's going. See, we want to go, well, Lord, show me where that is and then maybe we'll merge. Show me where we're headed. Is this going to be worth it? But we don't know that. That's why we have a walk of faith. We believe people matter to God. Specifically, people God has placed literally beside me. Loving them is part of loving him. So I want to learn their names and learn their stories because there's, it's not by chance. God is merging. And you never know what the catalyst might be. So I got a text earlier in the week. A friend had found, working in the yard, had found this little turtle. For some reason, and they showed me a picture. I got check out this little turtle I found. Then I got a text the next day that said, hey, remember the little turtle I found? I asked my neighbor if I could give it to her children. <laughs> and so I got a text from her saying, a new home for Shelly, Shelly the turtle. <laughs> yes, it's a girl, finally have some more estrogen in the home. So obviously a boy infested home. So they reply, that's awesome. And they reply back, and just so you know, the kids think you're the best neighbor ever. <laughs> Matthew said, Mom, Myth Kathy is the best. She gave us a pet. Who does that? <laughs> now, that's so silly. Except... You never know what God is doing in a situation like that and, or what God will use. But do you believe? Because I do, and I think it makes life the incredible adventure that God intends for us when we engage believing he's merging my story with other people's story. I have no idea, but that's the fun in finding out not only what and maybe or maybe not ever, why? That's the adventure. But it's rooted in a conviction, I believe. One more element to Luke 10 that will set us up for next week. Look at verse 31 again. It said, and by chance a priest was going down on that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So, the man wasn't going down the road looking for someone beat up, but God placed him there. Would you agree with me that God was merging their stories? But what did the guy do? He went, goes to the other side. So our merge sign needs a little more edit to it. It needs to include this as well. Because this is what we often do. We pass right through 
the merger zone. We're passing instead of merging. We're, we're passing when God is saying, no, I'm doing something here. You're missing it. And so, yes, it's a merger, but it's a no passing zone. See, that's so challenging to me. Because it's, it's easy, it's tempting to get in the passing lane, isn't it? Can I have your eyes for just a moment? As you think about your relationship with your neighbors, literal neighbors, what lane are you in? Are you in the passing lane? You've moved over and you're blowing by? Are you going, oh no, I've come to be convinced God has me here. God has them there. And so as task-oriented as I am, and, I can, and I'm task-oriented, as task-oriented as I am, I genuinely want to, because these signs, they're not literally in my neighborhood, but I want them to be in my head when I drive in my literal neighborhood. I want to drive in and see God's merging. This isn't by chance. Get out of the passing lane, Doug. This is a no passing zone. This is, God is doing something here. Don't miss it. Hey, it may be through a turtle. It may be turtle tooth that you need. But God is doing something in your neighborhood. God is doing something in you. God is doing something in your neighbors. It's not by chance. All of life is ruled by providence. They matter to God. Loving them is part of your love of God. So don't pass by. Slow down. Yield all the things that you do when you merge. You slow down and you yield to merge. Who knows what God's up to? Who knows what God is up to in this international community? So are we going to start an international church? Well, we haven't been planning to, but I mean, what's the Lord up to? I have no idea. We often ask ourselves, what's going to happen on Thursday night? No idea. Simply saying, God has placed us here. God has placed us them, them here. Let's jump in and see what he does. That's the adventure. You up for that adventure? It makes going home every day fun. Really. As you're going in to what God is doing. Let's bow together. Father in heaven, it's great to be together, great to worship together, love this family, love the body that you've put together here, 
and it's great to go home. I love the fact that you've scattered us across this city, not by chance, but according to your sovereign purposes. Lord, I I pray that we'll go home with our antennas up, our eyes open, and our ears open, curious, interested to see what you're merging. Would you tell that to the Lord just in the quietness of the seat? Would you just tell him, Lord, I'm I'm curious, I'm interested. I want to join you in what you're doing in my neighborhood. Lord, I want to pray that for our church as well. Don't know what you're doing in this neighborhood. But clearly you've put this opportunity around us. So we're inviting you to lead us, Lord, in what it would mean to to meet these needs. Committing to you this TESOL, committing to you our Thursday night service. Ask that you would raise up 50 people with kingdom vision and kingdom hearts. Volunteers to serve. I pray that you would help us reach folks we're not presently reaching. For your namesake. For their joy and for your glory. Thank you for that joyful privilege of being on this adventure with you. We look forward to what this week holds don't know what it is, but you do, and so we're looking forward to it. In Christ's name, amen. You know, we have on Sundays uh, an opportunity at the end of each month to have a guest reception, and so I want to invite you, John told you, out in the courtyard. If you've come to CFC and we haven't had a chance to meet, we'd love to learn names because your neighbor's here on Sunday morning. So join us there, if you would, in the guest reception, both in South here and in North. All right? God bless.